0: Maria, welcome to First Up. It is Rahina. That is Monday the 7th of November. Ko Nathan, Coming up, the midterm elections are about to get underway in the USA. Control of the House and Senate is in the balance and is Trump a factor again. Uh, the head of the Early Childhood Council joins us to discuss the government's new ECE scheme, which helps parents with childcare costs. What about the Black Ferns? <laughs> that was so good on Saturday night. We dive into that in sport and NCEA exams begin today for the first time in three years. They're going to take place in well, relative
1: normality. For students in year 13, the whole of their senior schooling has been affected by COVID and I think that's something that it's very difficult to overestimate really.
0: Kia ora everybody. Welcome to First Up. I'm Nathan Rarere. Let's um, start. In the United States today, Anna Burns-Francis is uh, right in amongst it all. Uh, I believe, I think we might be in Charlotte there in uh, North Carolina. Uh, Kia ora Anna, how are you?
2: Kia ora, good morning. That is indeed right. We have just landed in Charlotte, North Carolina. We came over from Little Rock, Arkansas. We're doing a tour of the south.
0: Now, um, tell me this, the obviously the midterms are quite big there. I see the fellow in the red hat has come out again, not Santa, that's that's next month, but Donald Trump, I saw on my television screens yesterday. So is he back quite big here in this push for the midterms?
2: Yeah, you've got to say the other guy in the red hat perhaps brings a bit more joy than Donald Trump, but there's certainly a huge push at the moment for him to, he's really making this play for the Republican Party. He is, of course, the leader at the moment. But of course, there is this other topic, which is, will he run again? So very clear, but clearly, and what we thought might happen, he seems to be waiting to see how well his candidates that he has endorsed will do in the upcoming midterm elections. And at the moment, it looks like they're going to do quite well. Uh, so he's backing a lot of them. And he's also going through these real battleground states that the Republicans really want to take from the Democrats or make sure they hold on to so that they can tip that balance of power in Congress and the House. And the Senate, and on all polling, it looks like they're going to be pretty close, but they might just squeak over the line.
0: So, Anna, how are the Republicans looking to lure their voters, or even people that might be thinking of voting? Like, what are they saying to them, which is come and vote for us? That people seem to be going, okay.
2: Yeah, look, the economy and crime, those are the two big talking points. And you've got to say, those are the ones that people feel like hit them in the pocket or that they are aware of, that they're seeing on the news every single day. Of course, though, there is this other issue, or there are several other issues, but one of the big ones is the topic of abortion. Now, both uh, left and right feel really strongly about whether there should be the right to have an abortion in their state or in their country. And a lot of Republicans are now talking about this idea that they may institute a federal ban on abortion so that's also become a big talking point the interesting thing to note though is that if the republicans are hoping that rolling out donald trump is going to bring them this red wave that they talk about every election well it's not quite guaranteed most of the republicans we've spoken to feel a little unsure actually about donald trump being the leader there are other candidates who've been making some murmurings and with someone as inflammatory as donald trump not everyone's quite sure that he's the leader they want if that's what he's going to announce after they take back the house. Well, it,
0: it seemed that his cult of personality was was very appealing to his voter base. Who are the? Is, I mean, who else is stepping up to say, "Do you know what? I I am Republican, but I also can bring everybody with me." Is is it the guy from Florida?
2: Yeah, that guy, Ron DeSantis, and the trick is, and this is interesting, isn't it? You've got to wonder about the internal politics that are going on, because Ron DeSantis has not said a word about whether he will run, but he just did a debate whether he was asked on would he be the governor in four years' time, and he just refused to answer the question. He couldn't say, because of course he wants to leave the door open to running for president. But Donald Trump is not a fan of him, and they are going head to head a little bit tonight. There is a rally in, in Miami, one for Donald Trump and one for Ron DeSantis, and they are not talking about each other. There's very little staff crossover. They don't go and work for each other. These two men do not like each other and do see each other as a threat to whoever wants to be the president. There is one outlier, of course, that's Liz Cheney, uh, but she's probably a very long shot. She's who Democrats would like to see run for the Republican Party, but not a lot of Republicans would back her.
0: They love to bring people with profile. We've seen Herschel Walker, the former football star, just say whatever he wants and still going to get votes. Tell us about Dr Oz and how people feel about him.
2: The cult of personality has really become a big draw card for the Republican Party because they've worked out that you can have someone who's very polished, very good at public speaking, and so long as something is coming out of their mouth... look at Herschel Walker, by example, then you can have a candidate who will rate quite highly with Republican voters. The third example is this woman, Carrie Lake. Now, she used to be a Democrat, actually, and now she's completely flipped since resigning from her job as a Fox News host in the middle of the pandemic, citing conspiracy theories being trumped up as news. And she's now looking like she's going to flip Arizona back towards being a Republican seat. Dr. Oz, as you said, of course, now he made his name being a guest on Oprah Winfrey. Well, with Trump's backing, he's now the candidate for Pencil- uh, for Pennsylvania. The only issue is he's not a particularly likeable person, so much so that, in fact, Oprah herself has turned around and said, don't vote for him. Vote for and the other guy.
0: Anna, thank you very much. It's action-packed, and Anna Burns, France is keeping us up to date with all uh, that is happening in the US uh, midterm elections. We'll have um, Simon Marks on the show as well later to discuss the other side of the political house over there. It is 11 and a half past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National. Elon Musk says that he had no choice but to slash staff numbers at Twitter because the company is losing more than $6.75 New Zealand dollars a day. Half of the social media site staff are being let go? That's just a week after the Tesla boss bought the company. The BBC's Zoe Kleiman reports.
3: Elon Musk didn't speak to any of the thousands of Twitter employees laid off today. Instead, he was a surprise guest at this investor conference in New York. Meanwhile, many Twitter staff woke up locked out of their work laptops. They were later told via an email to their personal accounts that it was their last working day at the firm. Some have been told they'll be paid until February next year, getting some sort of certainty after months of speculation.
4: A mixed range of, of emotions, um, certainly upset, certainly frustration, certainly some anger. But you know what, also in some cases some relief, right? Because this was a a, a thing that played out over the course of the majority of, of this year.
3: There were, understandably, lots of emotional tweets. This isn't looking promising, can't log into emails, so grateful this is happening at 3am. Another said, the official and very dehumanising layoff email has been received. For others, it was simply bye, literally everyone. Elon Musk made it clear when he bought Twitter last Friday that big changes were coming. Twitter's regarded as influential, but it hasn't made a profit in years, and it's also failed to attract new users. Twitter makes its money from adverts and businesses are spending less on that as the financial crisis bites. There have also been calls for brands to boycott Twitter in protest against Mr. Musk's leadership, something he addressed today.
1: A number of major advertisers have stopped spending on Twitter, Um, but this this doesn't seem right because um, we've made no change in our operations at all.
3: Elon Musk is planning to charge a monthly fee for verification, currently given out for free to high-profile accounts as a badge of authenticity. He's also looking at setting up a moderation board to oversee decisions about banned accounts. For those staff who remain, Twitter under Elon Musk, who says he expects an extreme work ethic, will be a very different environment. And the platform itself might also start to feel like a new experience. Mr Musk is the world's richest man. He knows how to do business. He may well be able to turn Twitter around, but it'll be done on his terms.
0: It is 14 past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National with me, Nathan Rarity. Anything you would like to comment about from your weekend, I'd love to hear it. 2101 as well. Isn't Katrina the smartest person in here by pre buying her World Cup final tickets a few weeks ago? Well done, you. Well done you, Katrina. Uh, look, because it's Monday morning, we're going to cross to Europe right now. It's Nita Blake-Person who is with us. Kia ora, how are you? Kia sure, Nathan, I'm really well. How about you? I'm good. Now, um, this um, COP27 happens in Egypt this week. Climate activists have been interesting throwing paint on things, which people haven't been that happy about, gluing themselves to roads, which is really annoying people. But, Nita, can I just say, it was one of the biggest bits of comedy I've seen. Protesters in Amsterdam riding round and round on an airport wearing flecky vests, being chased by policemen on foot. It was kind of like a it's sort of like a, a more a family-rated Benny Hill show ending.
5: It was brilliant, wasn't it? I'm so pleased that you saw that footage too, because you can't—you could, couldn't help but laugh. But you—it looks so funny, just as everyone goes total scatter all over the airport. They didn't—the cops didn't stand a chance, did they?
0: <laughs> no, they didn't. No, it was wonderful.
5: No, right. they—yeah, um, a bit of a change in tactics here by climate activists. More than a hundred protesters, as you say, they stormed the runway at Schiphol Airport near Amsterdam and blocked private planes from taking oh. off. They were all in those white boiler suits that we're starting to see pop up in a lot of these protests now, and many of them were on bikes, and as you say, they kind of wove in and out and couldn't be caught very easily, so they sat down in front of some of the planes, just private ones, apparently no commercial flights were interrupted, to make their message clear about cutting out air travel. Um, There have been a bunch of protests, not just at airports, but in and around Berlin as well, in a similar vein in recent weeks, reducing some of the major highways around here to a Trickle of traffic, and um, I suspect with COP twenty seven kicking off, as you say, it may not be the last we'll see of these protests.
0: Yeah, and I should say to anyone in the audience, if you if they have been annoying you, have a look at this. It is quite funny. It is actually quite funny. Hey, look, um, let's have a go. Look, a uh, uh, switch to this, um, the new right wing government in Italy. I guess that's being seen already. Because uh, tell us how it's impacting these migrants um, from rescue ships and and how they're being dealt with there. <laughs>
5: So since coming in, this new government has toughened their stance on charity ships which are are providing humanitarian aid and helping rescue the thousands of people who make that journey across the Mediterranean and they're basically now blocking them from entering Italy's ports. And it's really come to a head in the past few days because there have been four ships collectively carrying more than 1,000 refugees and migrants who need to come into port. There's been bad weather off the coast of Italy and they've had to hunker down because their repeated requests for assistance aren't being responded to by the government there. One of the ships has been granted permission to come into port and it arrived overnight last night, but there's about 180 people on board. Italy was only willing to let minors or those with immediate health concerns um, come off. And there are still those three other boats who need to come ashore. They've got close to 900 people on board between them. Looking for assistance. Italy's argument here is that the countries who take the people on board the boats should be the ones whose flags they're flying. So, in other words, if it's a German ship, Germany should be taking responsibility for the people. And that's what seems to have happened in the case of that one boat that's come ashore. Germany and France both indicated they would help uh, some of the people on board. And this is kind of the result of what Georgia Maloney, uh, the new Prime Minister, was campaigning on, her vow to stop people arriving in Italy illegally, uh, stop human trafficking. I guess this is how she perceives those plans are being put into practice. So it's quite unlikely, I think, there'd be any softening of the stance on this, but it's possible maybe some deals can be struck with neighbouring countries as the reports from those boats are that they need help urgently and um, people on board need medical attention.
0: Yeah, just very, very quickly, tell us about the new leader of France's far-right party.
5: This is Jordan Bardella. He's just 27 years old and he's been rising very quickly through the national rally ranks. He's a pretty slick guy, almost always in a suit and very confident. Um, He's trying to portray himself as a a new type of nationalist, a long way off the the racism and the anti-Semitism that's been linked to the the party in its previous form. He has been accused of encouraging white supremacist groups in the past. Um, He rejects that, but there's a lot of critics out there who say those sentiments still exist. Uh, He'll be Operating kind of in the shadow of Marine Le Pen, who's, you know, a very divisive figure. She still aims to run for president in 2027, so she's probably still the real power of the party. But it all comes at a time of, I guess, um, a bit of a swing to the right for a lot of European uh, politics, not just France or Italy. So um, interesting to see how that one plays out.
0: Yeah, Anita Blake-Person, thank you very much for your time. (music) Coming up to 20 past five, the Mighty Black Ferns final was sold out against England. So we're going to, will just do a bit of celebrating in sport very soon. Also, we uh, speak to the head of the Early Childhood Council, and Glenn's here with a preview of fruit and veggies for the week. I have
6: lost a lovely
7: bunch of
0: there they are standing in the
4: row. Big ones, small ones,
7: some
0: as as It's just over there behind the asparagus and the potatoes. It's the Minister of Fruit and Veggies. He's Glenn Forsyth and he's with us now. Jura Glenn. Yeah, Maroon and Nathan, how are you? I'm good, thank you, sir. Tell us about the new season potatoes.
8: Yes, a continuation from Friday on what I think is the most exciting vegetable of them all. And growing up, there was not one evening meal without them, not to mention, they were dad's favourite, the mighty potato. Now, talked with the amazing Dean at Langwell-Reed from one of our industry leaders, AES Walcox & Sons, established in 1954 in Pocokoe. So new season potatoes are beginning now and a little later on for the South Island new season. They're early brushed and about a week. Varieties such as Islam Hardy, Nardine and Highlander. The skins are very soft and delicate, so no need to peel. So just a gentle wash at home. And this week, Dean suggests three other varieties to try instead to bridge the gap. Previous season, South Island Golden Gourmet from Oakley's are available. We talked about those on Friday. Lucky Sod Little Diggers, new season from the North Island that they're in stores now. And the new season, Pearlers from Northland. So these are a Dutch variety, more waxy. They hold their firmness for a salad and a creamy flesh with great flavour. So these three choices may be on the smaller side, but they won't disappoint. And Dean's favourite way of enjoying Perlers is to boil them from cold water and no peeling required. Turn off the boil before soft as they still cook through and you, and you don't want to have them go mushy. Then toss them in a bowl with butter and fresh, fresh or dry herbs such as parsley, basil, basil and oregano, and you're away. So, yeah, give them a try this week. Very, very tasty. Very, very
0: fancy. Uh, Also, uh, asparagus out there right now as well, and and what other veggies are, are going around?
8: Yeah, vegetables. Capsicums are still in heavy supply down here at the markets this morning, and similar product like these are the King Sweeties. They're in better numbers, also called a Palermo or Bullhorn Pepper. Look like a massive chilli, but they are far from spicy. They are very sweet. They caramelise beautifully when lightly grilled and you remove the membrane, so they're delicious. Then there are the Mini Vine Sweets, which look like tiny capsicums. A note on onions, these are very short, and we're going to be off to a slow start for the new season, brown, because of the very rough and wet weather in Pukakoi during during planting time. Uh, red onions are worse. Most yes. are from the USA. And yeah, yeah, most are from the USA and very expensive. I think Yet your lovely boss there, Pip Keen, was saying she spent three fifty for just two of them. Um, no, no, seven dollars for two of them. Uh, three fifty each. Oh. Oh, sorry, I think your you're You did right. Three fifty each. Yeah. Now uh, other other veggies in good supply this week are mushrooms, cherry tomatoes, cucumbers, and cos lettuce from the fresh grower. We're now we're over halfway for our asparagus season, and the growers want to thank you for the regular consumption of it, keeping value steady. I mean, after all, it is one of the most expensive raw crops to grow. It does require a lot of land area. Uh, now, have you eaten plenty of asparagus so far this season, Nate?
0: Yeah, I was just about to. Just getting to it. With my with my Netflix with with, with uh, you know the, the Netflix things I'm going to watch. That's I'm just about to that, Glenn. What about fruit? What about fruit? What's happening <laughs> okay. on fruit here? What is your? I'm going to come up with this, Glenn's Monday fruit focus, and we'll come up with a sound effect for that. What's your what's your fruit focus for the week, Glenn?
8: Okay, okay, fruit. Don't forget about asparagus. Get it get in while it's really good. But fruit, it's all about buying in season on fruit this week, and ones that are the most nutritious are strawberries, blueberries, and avocados. Now, affordable piece of citrus to get your teeth into are the four mandarins. And summer must be getting closer as a handful of honeydew melons from Australia are here now we are still in the midst of the American grape season as their red and green seedless are available for our enjoyment now from about labour weekend for 8 weeks until about Christmas, New Zealand air freights strawberries to avid export markets Auckland growers have geared their planting and production to meet these markets and the domestic consumer benefits from the additional harvest. Supplies looking good this week and shopping around in the North Island at least. You could see good buys in stores down to $3.49 a punnet, so you munch them in the car at, at work everywhere you go.
0: Beautiful. Glenn, thank you very much. You could hear the authenticity that Glenn gets up in the morning to speak to you with the beautiful sounds of sunrise behind them, little chirping birdies. Gorgeous
6: like sands through the hourglass
0: so are the days of our life. the day of our life we call the 7th of november on this day in 1867, Mary Curie was born in Warsaw. Of course, uh, pioneered research into radioactivity, won a Nobel Prize for physics in 1903. Good luck to everyone sitting the physics pr- uh, exams today, by the way, in NCEO. Uh Happy 26th birthday to Lord, uh, former netball teammate of pole vaulter Eliza McCartney. There you are. Also sings a little bit. She sold five million albums. She's doing okay. Uh, Joni Mitchell was born 79 years ago in Fort McLeod in Alberta. Uh, She contracted polio at the age of nine. Hospitalised for four weeks. She also said she started smoking that year, but denies that smoking affected her voice. Yes. Uh, Also turning 79 years old today, the 18th Governor-General of New Zealand, Dame Sylvia Rose Cartwright. It was the running of the first Melbourne Cup on this day in 1861, and it was won by a horse called Archer. And I found out that today in Mexico, they celebrate Jesus Garcia, who was um, he died while saving his town. He noticed that uh, a railway, um, what do you call it? Yeah, just a train really I guess, the smokestack the spark had come out and set fire to some hay, that hay was on top of a a train carrying 70 boxes of dynamite which was parked next to fuel stores rather than running away he got up and he ran and he got on the train and he drove it out of town and it exploded of course took it with him, he was uh, awarded posthumously the American Cross of Honour but also he's revered as a national hero all around Mexico streets, plazas, schools named after him and on this day uh, all the uh, railway workers in uh, Mexico remember Jesus Garcia uh, on National Railroad Workers Day in Mexico. It's business. It's business time. That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, let's get down to business.
9: It's business time. It's
3: business. It's business time.
9: And
0: it's Giles Beckford to lead us towards the business news today. Kira Giles.
6: Kira to you, Nathan. Whistleblowing. Love a good whistleblower. Who's blowing whistles? We <laughs> don't. We just love a. What is it? Well, a lot of companies probably don't realize that the uh, law covering whistleblowing has been updated and is now in effect. It came into effect in July. Uh, and it's basically um, extending uh, the provisions of the Act. Uh, it uh, gives better definitions of serious wrongdoing, offers better safeguards to people who blow the whistle. Uh, it doesn't give safe. It, uh, doesn't give safeguards if you blow the whistle to journalists, and I have to say that we're disappointed about that one. Hmm. But what's interesting is that a lot of companies, of course, just um, you know, probably don't know, uninformed. Um, and uh, one law company says it's uh, found a five-fold increase in demand for advice on this, in particular from multinational companies. Uh, who obviously are quite ignorant about this or ill-informed about it. So it's one of those little things. It might be... I don't know, it's not going to cover the corner dairy, of course, one wouldn't think. It's not going to cover the local fruit and veg shop. It could cover things like supermarkets. It could cover things such as uh, fuel companies, petrol stations, those sorts of things. So it might be that your business just falls within the ambit of this whistleblowing law. Um I suppose any business might do, but uh, it could be that, you know, depending on the way you manage the company and relationships with employees and the way you do business, uh, that you should give it a thought and get some advice.
0: Yes. Well, whistleblowing. That's, yeah, I mean, I guess it's good. It's all checks and balances, isn't it?
6: It, it is indeed. I mean, you know, it, we wouldn't have found out a lot of things, for instance, uh, uh, with what was going on in uh, foreign trusts, uh, if there hadn't been whistleblowing, you know, mm. you know all the big things that happen around, you know, <clears throat> Watergate. You know, c- there's a classic case of uh, whistleblowing there in some parts. So, yes, uh, a lot of misbehaviour, uh, a lot of bad company behaviour, uh, and indeed. Uh, maltreatment of uh, staff uh, and of consumers and public—it uh, you know, comes to light because somebody's brave enough to actually blow the whistle. Uh, and clearly, the law, with the law having been extended, it might be that some uh, more companies fall under that ambit than they. Uh, We're in the past. Yeah, Giles, thank you very much for your time, sir. You can hear more from Giles and the
0: business team on uh, Morning Report this morning at ten two seven. Let's um, see how your New Zealand dollar is being traded around the world. Currently at fifty nine point three three US cents, ninety one point six one Australian cents, fifty nine point five zero Euro cents, fifty two point oh nine British pence, four point two five one, and eighty six point nine seven Japanese yen. Just doesn't stop. The, the, the sports weekend's not even finished, Barry Guy. It's still going.
9: I know uh, Argentina just beaten England at Twickenham. Fantastic. What? Argentina just beat England at Twickenham. I know. I just. Michael to checker, say again. So he was at w- with Lebanon on Saturday morning uh, in the uh, Rugby League World Cup quarter final, and then he zipped down to London and has helped Argentina beat England, 30-29. Oh. So. Uh, well done, Michael Checker, one of look my favourite coaches. Yeah. Yeah, look,
0: look at him go. And also, too, we'll, we'll give an update, actually, because I saw there were a lot of uh, Tongan and Samoan flags mm. around um, uh, Auckland on the weekend. Some people on you Reddit, read it, people on Reddit, why are they doing this? Uh, Samoa has beaten Tonga 18-20 to 20, uh, at the Rugby League World Cup and, of course, uh, New Zealand beat Fiji
9: yesterday. So there you go. Yeah. Yep, so uh some more now play England and the Kiwis play uh Australia. And uh I think it's six o'clock, uh, the Kiwi ferns, uh, Cook Islands in their latest game there as well. So right. um, it's we're, all happening. We're done all the housekeeping. Here we go. Saturday night, Barry! Yeah. Oh yeah. what
0: a what a roller coaster. The the highs, the lows, the please miss it, the oh, I feel sorry for you, the no I don't, yes I do. It was oh what a game. What a game. Um I
9: suppose if you if you You want that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, Well, no, probably we want to win by a large margin. No, New Zealanders, we're horrible.
0: We like to be in charge at the front and then sit there with our arms folded going, good, that's right, yes.
9: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, just out in the office, so many people were so on edge, they were saying, and how exciting it was. So that's fantastic. Let's hope uh, that it's that close, at least uh, next weekend. And I think... um, there are uh, going to be a couple of uh, more tickets being made available, so if you want to go along to the uh, World Cup final, you better get on quick and and watch that. So uh, hopefully the weather will be good, and there'll be a, a fast uh, running track for uh, the Black fans to take on England. So um, fantastic!
0: Now there was um, obviously we'll get to the All Blacks game in just a minute as well, Barry. But I just want I want to talk to you about uh, what what you made of that game the other night because. I thought to myself just a beautiful flow to that game, uh, and it was the polar opposite to I watched the uh, bits of the Ireland Springboks game. Oh, my goodness. How many times can guys sit down to have their calf stretched, you know, in a, in a game just so early? It was so stop-start, it was awful. But I thought the biggest the biggest tackles of the weekend I saw were actually in that um, Black Ferns versus France game.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Well, you know, I think we already know that uh, we can learn a lot from uh, the way that uh, the game should be played and um, how the players um, uh, perform and also, uh, you know, show themselves during a the game. And so we've learned a lot from this uh, Rugby women, uh, Women's Rugby World Cup. Um, yeah, uh, I, as I say, I've just been watching the Argentina-England uh, game, and that was a couple of phases, penalty, yeah okay. <laughs> Couple of phases, penalty kick, and so the you know, it was just uh, you can see why some people are perhaps um, are picking and choosing which rugby games they yeah, want to they watch now. Watch.
0: So, um, but yeah. let, let, let's go to the the uh, means games. The the, the, games. Uh, the, uh, the All Blacks fifteen represented themselves and their family well, uh, but also that someone finally fell for the Big Artie Savia dummy. Yeah. <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> finally. Yeah. He's been doing that one in every single game that I've seen, be it for Wellington, be it yeah. for uh, the Hurricanes, be it for the All Blacks. But finally someone fell, the poor Welsh bloke that that got sucked yeah. in by it. But um Did he do it,
9: that at Rongotai or something, did he? he I think he did from
0: Yeah, school or That's the thing, he's probably done it in an Auries Club game too, I'm telling you. But um yeah. just thinking here, yeah, isn't it funny because remember after the Japan games like oh gosh, they you know, they look rickety or what have you, but there is certainly an all black side that has some Barrett's and a Savier in it and then there's the all-black side that doesn't.
9: But I thought that was the best Aaron Smith game I've seen in ages. Yeah, there was... Um, I know we should be just talking about that game, but immediately after that, you then think, well, what what side are they going to put out against Scotland? Or are they going to save themselves for a bit of England? We should be enjoying what we... This is me, though, talking. Of, I'm immediately think, looking ahead to what happens uh, next. But, yeah, you're right. There weren't a lot, lot of things that um, uh, didn't go well. What what do you think, Geordie? Second five, yeah. You know what looks like his now. Yeah. What about Anton, leonard Brown? You know, is he going to slot in there somewhere? What's what's no? I thought I
0: think that's quite a good big starting uh, midfield. And I thought it was interesting too because I figured, you know, Will Jordan. um, I didn't notice that he wasn't playing, and he's a genius of a player. So. Perhaps that option. The, the, yeah, they do. Anyway, we're very lucky. It was a good yeah. rugby weekend for New Zealand, and I think I think it's great too that that final looks like it's sold out. Barry, thank you very much for your time. Have yeah, apparently week. apparently there's only, there's only single seats to go, but why not go for your single seat to be a part of that atmosphere? It was brilliant fun the other night. <laughs> So it's 20, we'll call it 22 and a half minutes to six. I'm Nathan Ardide here at First Start. Between now and the end of the programme, Simon Marks with us in the United States talking about the US midterm elections. Also too, remember when you sat exams? Well, that is back up today. We're going to speak to a high school principal about school exams, which happen today. (laughs) The professionals at Morning Report are standing by. There's Corin Dan. Kia ora, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Good morning, Nathan. Um, we are talking sport and politics this morning. No surprises there. Uh, we will have plenty of... On uh, the Labour Party conference Reaction to that Nicola Willis from the National Party Will be in Uh, Also the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern as well And Jane Patterson Our political editor uh, To wrap up all of that We'll also have a look At the Hamilton West by-election With the uh, candidates uh, For Labour and National Now being confirmed Mm. Uh, And then yes We will revel in the Black Ferns Marvellous Semi-final victory Just a great watch Wasn't it? I mean you just wanted to hear From Ruby Tui at full time It's like come on Give us Ruby Tui It's what we all wanted Oh didn't she get crunched In that tackle as well? Oh, <laughs> I know yes. oh. Oh, about in half. It. Yeah. Um, but a, a great game a great watch it really was I just can't remember the last time I enjoyed watching a game of rugby had the whole family watching too which was yes. unusual for me there was, a, there was jumping up and down and yelling in the lounge <laughs> it was good yeah, yeah no, it was good stuff <laughs> uh, that too the All Blacks uh, well, the cricket's all good as
6: well You know. so there's lots to discuss
0: there is. Thank you very much, Corinne. And uh, of course, our morning report here after six. Well, uh, in the US, Democrats and Republicans are scrambling to charm the public about who should control Congress. Polls for the midterm elections close on November the 8th, but the parties are bringing out all the big guns. Uh, latest figures from NBC show that more than 40 million people have already voted. That is plenty of them. Joining us now is our correspondent, and it's always a pleasure to get to say kia ora to Simon Marks. Good to hear your voice, sir. How are you doing? I'm very very well, Nathan. How are you? Good to be back I'm good. With you. Okay, so give us an update on how things are looking here in these midterms.
7: Well, it's neck and neck. I mean, uh, and that in and of itself is pretty extraordinary, given that most surveys show that 50% and possibly a higher number than that of Republican candidates seeking national office in these midterm elections uh, have embraced Donald Trump's election denialism. They have uh, embraced the theory that the 2020 presidential election was rigged, that Joe Biden is illegitimate in office, even though those theories are completely baseless and without any foundation in fact whatsoever. So Democrats have got a lot of work to do if they're going to maintain control of the House of Representatives and the Senate and the polling for them remains pretty grim in a lot of the most important battleground states where the outcome of these elections are going to be decided. Joe Biden was in Pennsylvania uh, yesterday once again telling Americans that democracy
3: is on the ballot. Democracy is literally on the ballot. This is a defining moment for the nation. One of those moments that comes along every several generations. One of those moments that you're going to look back on it years from now and know whether or not we met the moment based on the state of affairs 10, 15 years from now. I want you to know we're going to meet that moment, just like we've done before. We are we're going to enter those final days of this midterm election remembering, that the power of America is in your hands.
7: Now, he says that Democrats will meet the moment if they are trusted by the voters with uh, their votes in these midterm elections. But he's offering absolutely no concrete plans for dealing with the tide of falsehoods that soak America's democracy and threaten it. And absolutely no proposals to deal with the tide of misinformation that is spreading across social media platforms, including Elon Musk's Twitter. Donald Trump was in Pennsylvania last night as well and he was focusing on the number one issue on the minds of many voters, and that, of course, is the economy.
9: Biden and the far-left lunatics are waging war on Pennsylvania energy, crushing Pennsylvania jobs, gutting Pennsylvania communities, and strangling Pennsylvania families with soaring prices like you've never seen before. Inflation is costing the typical household nearly $800 every single day month congratulations who the hell voted for these people what are we doing
7: now what he's doing is preparing to announce another bid for the presidency we think that within about the next 10 days donald trump will have made it official that he's going to try and get his old job back
0: Wow, wee. i thought he was being investig- investigated for things. Tell, well. tell me, tell me, this, Simon. Uh, Forty million people have voted already. Do, yeah. do we have any idea, you know, if that's a good sign for either party? And also, to Donald Trump, one of the big names back out. Who have the Democrats wheeled out? Uh, Well, Barack
7: Obama, of course, has been the biggest name on the campaign trail for the Democrats, and that's cut, I think, in a couple of different directions because it not only gins the base up uh, among Democrats to get out and vote, but it also reminds them uh, of just what they lost when Barack Obama exited the stage and the chalice was handed to Joe Biden. Uh, In terms of the early voting, you're absolutely right. All of these closing arguments that are being presented are falling on deaf ears for millions of people who have already Cast their ballots. There's been huge turnout in many states, but it depends on the individual state as to which way uh, that cuts. I'm just seeing reports from the website Politico that's done done some analysis of this uh, over the last few hours. They think Democrats should be concerned in Nevada by the size of the early vote turnout there, but they think the size of the early vote turnout in Georgia, the southern state of Georgia, might be good news for the Democrats. The honest answer is we are not going to know until polls close. And the votes are counted. And the real danger in all of this, Nathan, is that if we find ourselves in a situation where Senate races in states like Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia, possibly a couple of other locations are within the margin of error and recounts are sparked that runs the real risk of leading to unrest, uh, fueled by Republican claims that there has been election fraud committed, even though they may have absolutely no proof of election fraud to point to. The Senate is split 50-50, so there is absolutely everything to play for, and if some of those races uh, remain uh, on a knife edge after the votes are counted, we're going to be sailing into some very, very dangerous places. Political territory here.
0: Yeah. Simon, it's always a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. There is Simon Marks with us uh, out of the United States. It's an interesting old time. It is uh, 13 to 6. For the first time in three years, year 11 to 13 students will undergo NCEA exams in relatively normal circumstances from today. So back in 2020, NCEA was delayed by 10 days with more than half of the students not showing up. And last year, it saw students in much of the North Island sitting exams under lockdown. So today, students will sit exams for a number of subjects. Today, nervous day for those sitting, physics, business studies, te reo, media studies and also calculus. Oh, what a start. I asked the principal of Auckland's Unihanga High School, Deirdre O'Shea, if exams conditions this year are pretty much back to normal.
1: I think we are certainly heading back more back to normal than we have been obviously in the last three years. So that's a wonderful thing. But the, the impact of the last three years remain, of course, for students in Year 13, the whole of their senior schooling has been affected by COVID. And I think that's something that it's very difficult to overestimate, really. For the students in years 11 and 12, same thing, but not the high-stakes exam pressure. Exams are high stakes and stressful at any time, let alone when you've had disrupted lead-ups to it. So for some students, it's probably not affected them too much at this stage. For others, the effects are enduring.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point you make too. From year eleven, and for listeners, if you're a bit, this is like saying you know, through from fifth form through to seventh form, (laughs) they've had disruptions every year, and it's very very hard for them. So, what do you think their state of mind is? Do you think they're like, gosh, this has been hard to get here, or are they at the If I can get through this, I can conquer anything.
1: It varies enormously. So for most students, what we're hoping is that it's the latter. You know, we really do want students to be making the most of the time that they have now and to obviously attempt everything that they've entered into and to give it their very best shot. And what we'd suggest is that they focus very much on this is just the next few weeks now, we need to make the most of it and to really go for it and do all the things that we know are sensible around the routine that that helps us all, knowing when your exams are, having something to eat before the exam time, being there in good time, remember your exam slip, make sure your device is charged up, you know, yep. all those sorts of sensible things.
0: Exams too, they're just such an unnatural thing. You're sitting there, how long is it, three hours that you're sitting there for? That's right. You That's know, right. and it's not a Marvel film in front of you, this is there at the desk. And even holding a pen that long is actually quite hard. Anyone listening, try that as well. So tell me, how <laughs> did the, the mock exams go for students as far as, like you say, the mechanics of sitting an exam itself?
1: Yes, so the mocks are really important as a lead-up for students who are able to participate in them because it really does, as you say, get them used to that that long stretch of sitting down and focusing. And we do want students to stay in there for the whole time. i make that point. There's nothing worse as a teacher than seeing your students leave the exam early. Oh, no. You know, if you'd stayed, there there might have been something else you could have thought of. So that would be a a point as well. But look, some of the students, again, are are ready for that and that they're up for it. And of course, many will be sitting digital exams, which is something that for many of our students they're more familiar with now, but not everything's offered digitally. But for others, it, it really is a bit of a struggle And so for families to do as much as they can to normalise, to support and to keep their students focused, as I say, on on actually what is a relatively short time.
0: Hmm. There's also a part you can get for your qualifications, the learning recognition credits. What's happening with those compared uh, with the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, so learning recognition credits were, again, I think, very timely for many students. It gave them a bit of a boost to say, look, if you haven't quite got there, this is what you're going to get for every four credits. For every every few credits, you're going to get an extra one, which is quite a morale booster. So those are sitting there for students. They know about them, and they know that that plays into the overall qualification. The other thing, of course, with NCEA, compared to the, the old system that some listeners might well recall, is that it isn't all or nothing. So in January, when results come back, if you didn't quite make it, there are opportunities to work with your school to get you over the line. And while that isn't where your head should be right now, I think it's good to have in the back of your mind because, as I say, it used to be all or nothing, whereas now it isn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, gosh, the anxiety of a world to head out to is is enough uh, without wondering uh, about that too. And another thing, you know, it's been hanging around us the last few years, you can't get away from it. Um, More and more concerns about COVID cases popping up around the country. In this next couple of weeks, is that a concern there during that period? Look, and
1: that's why the mocks you referred to before are so important, because the students who did sit derived grade exams or mocks, it means that they've got something in their back pocket if indeed they are impacted by COVID. And as you say, case numbers are rising, so that's possible. We hope it isn't. It doesn't happen to you, of course, if you're a student. But if it does, and you've sat those derived grade exams, that's what will play into your your final result.
0: Do they have to mask up during the exam?
1: No. Again, it's a personal choice. And, of course, in the exam rooms, students are spread out. There's plenty of ventilation and so on. So that will all be taken care of. But students who choose to wear masks, we would fully support them to do so.
0: Auckland's Onehunga High School's Deirdre O'Shea. Of course, that's at the end of the, the student pathway for the learning journey, isn't it? Uh, let's talk about the start right now. More than half of all Kiwi families will become eligible for support to cover the cost of childcare. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern unveiled the policy aimed at easing cost of living pressures at the Labour Party's annual conference on Sunday. The income threshold to be eligible for the assistance hasn't changed since 2010. To explain why this is necessary is the Chief Executive of the Early Childhood Council. It's Simon Loba. Hey, uh, Simon, thank you very much for being here with me here. So this this policy, how far will it go to easing that cost of living for families with young children?
4: Well, it'll be, it'll be great. More, Morena, Nathan. More. Um, this will definitely ease some of the burden for uh, reluctant parents to re-enroll their children in ECE, which will be which will be great, and we'll see more children enjoying the benefits of ECE as a result.
0: So, from what you could tell, I mean, were the numbers dropping, and and was it did costs seem to be the main prohibitor?
4: Costs have been rising in in every area, but especially ECE for quite some time. Um, about a year ago, we were calling on an initiative like this to try and help build the sector back up to. Um, um, to, to get some places available for early childhood,
0: and and so so, what was causing the rising costs? Is it just basically like everything else that it's just becoming more expensive all around?
4: Well, that's a, that's a hard question. Rising costs. There's rents. Um, the teacher salaries are going up. Um, it's everything is is more expensive uh, in early childhood. What what you experience though is as a parent your fees are going up and they're going up a lot and early childhood fees are a considerable amount already. So you don't really want to see those going up. So mm. an, an initiative like this that is targeted to parents who need the financial help is excellent because um, they they sure could use it. We know um, that about 80% of centres that we surveyed earlier this year were increasing fees. So it's a real problem.
0: And I suppose, too, even though we are seeing an increase in people working from home, it it still doesn't mean that, you know, like it's like, oh, well, they can just have the kids at home, can they? Because then then you can't focus. So this is providing valuable. And it it also will will help for after school care, wouldn't
4: it? Yeah, so I can't speak to the school side of things. But for um, families, what we saw in Auckland is a lot of families disengaged from early childhood and they haven't come back. So there are different patterns around the country And with the little spike of COVID happening now, that's also a bit of a cause for concern because, you know, you do really want an initiative like this. If it's going to be successful, it's going to, it needs more parents to actually re-enroll children in ECE. So that's important to happen, but COVID might slow that down.
0: So have there been centres closing down recently because of this drop in numbers?
4: Um, Well, we've been tracking closing centres um, based on the Ministry of Education staffing data, because uh, one of the reasons we're looking at it so closely is because of the pay parity policy. Uh, Under pay parity, which is great, um, teacher salaries are being increased, so the minimum levels, but unfortunately the funding rates are not sufficient to pay for those increased salaries across the board, so some centres are coming unstuck.
0: So, is there a general lack of early childhood teachers around?
4: Ah, that's that, exactly. We've had a teacher shortage in early childhood for a while. Got worse under COVID, and it's it's worse than it's ever been before. Right now, we um, recently surveyed our um, centres. A sample of two hundred and sixty. 73 percent of them indicated they were not confident at all that they could fill a vacancy uh, with a qualified teacher if they were recruiting now mm-hmm. and on top of that we have even at current levels we've got about 57 percent of centers with waiting lists right now that's because you can't just this you can't just send your children to early childhood there needs to be the teachers there to to accommodate them so even under the current situation we can't get enough teachers to to meet the demand that's there so that's another um, but uh, a negative thing about this so we really needed help earlier
0: yeah but some some help has arrived and some qualified teachers will be good uh, to get in as well hopefully
4: yes yes
0: <laughs> we hope we can. Well, look, okay, uh, thank you very much, uh, Simon, uh, for your, uh, your expertise there. There he is, uh, the Chief Executive of the Early Childhood Council, uh, Simon Lauber. Yeah, um, and and it is, it, it is good, too. It does help a lot of families to get there. I remember, I think it was about 10 years ago when that, remember the um, the free childhood hours happened, and it was like a bonanza. They were just the, these things opening up all over the place. Pop, 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 pop. It was, a, it was a great investment to make. I know a few people that were like, you've got to get into that, get an ECE going, and then things a little harder Uh, a lot of feedback here here's one stupid show as per and load of and then the poo emoji so that's quite good Uh, please no more American elections or have to go turning back the morning radio off Uh, and then one here very worried about how the election's looking um, Dunstan and Tuna there in Hamilton. Very worried after reading Blue Blood by Andrea Vance. Uh, look, get in touch with us anytime you like. At First Up, RNZ, well, we've got the Facebook page too, which we lovingly curate for you. Morning Report are set to go with you after six from all of us here at First Up. Hope you had a successful weekend and looking forward to this week. We'll be back in your ears. football. Uh,